This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. When you mention the term faith healing to a Christian, they will quickly associate this, these terms to the biblical idea that faith in Jesus Christ has the power to heal your body. They will immediately think of the cross, where Jesus died, and where the stripes on his back were given for healing. But when you mention faith healing to somebody who has been influenced by the cult of William Branham, they immediately begin to associate this term with what they call discernment, and not the scriptural discernment that is given in the Bible, the Holy Spirit helping you to discern between good and between evil. They associate faith healing with the magical power of guessing names and addresses from the back of a prayer card. Why? Because throughout the ministry, Throughout the many sermons recorded by William Branham that they listened to, the cult leader, they're taught example after example of the man guessing the diseases of the afflicted. They mistake clairvoyance with discernment. <clears throat> and not just the diseases that were written on the back of the prayer cards and placed into the hands of the campaign team. Many in the cult <clears throat> will tell you sincerely that William Branham was all-knowing, just like Jesus Christ was. In fact, there are those who have said that Branham was God among us, an entire cult sex like Christ Branham movement, believed that this man of flesh and bone was Jesus Christ himself. They have made William Branham into a different Jesus. They have combined both elements of Scripture from Matthew 24, 24 into one single William Branham. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead. Matthew 24, 24. <clears throat> I find it odd, because when other devious men do the same tricks, those men are immediately scorned by members of this cult. John Alexander Dowie, the man that Branham revered and fashioned his own healing ministry after, was a false prophet. 
And though he promoted himself <clears throat> as the reincarnation of Malachi IV long before Branham, these cult members will examine the life and examine the prophecy of Dowie and quickly tell you that the man was a false prophet and a charlatan. Even the Reverend Jim Jones, who William Branham started on his way to infamy, claimed to have had this gift. Jones, who killed his entire congregation in South America. <clears throat> but whenever a failed prophecy by William Branham is shown to a cult member, the excuses start to rise from the depths of their mind, finding a way to convince themselves that this pro false prophet they serve is somehow connected to God. They try to convince themselves that this man is different from the rest, simply because he said so. In the early days of the faith healing movement, those who pretended to have this power to peer into the life of those who were in the prayer lines, they all use similar tactics. You'll find that before the sudden rise of technology, prayer cards were definitely necessary, even required in this healing movement. The people that were told that these cards with sections for the patient's name, address, and sickness, and other information, they were told that these were required so that they could keep the line orderly and avoid confusion. And on the front of these cards was a number, a number that was called to bring the patients up to the line one at a time. But remember what is on the back. <clears throat> In smaller groups of people, it was obvious that these cards were not needed. The people would simply talk to an usher, tell them their diseases, and be given a place in line. That same usher would have the same access to the written card. Now they had direct access to the person and their afflictions. The early faith healers, <clears throat> the, the ones that used this magician's trick, did not have technology. But instead, they had a very powerful gift, one that God had given them, their memory. To advance the power of their ministry, to advance the power of their gift of memory, some of these faith healers would fast for the Lord after learning the amazing effects that fasting has on your memory. Others would use similar memorization skills, similar to what we teach our kindergartners in school. Memory through association helps the mind to categorize the thoughts and gives you the ability to retain much, much more. These faith healers would often be given the color of a shirt or some other unique description of the patient by the ushers and suddenly be given the magical power to know that the lady in the green sweater had eye trouble. It's odd because if these things are pointed out to a cult follower of William Branham about any other minister, they will quickly scorn and tell you that those other ministers were the jamborees and jamrees that withstood Branham's Moses. But Branham himself is seen using these same memorization techniques all throughout his early ministry. This one in particular is the most obvious because Branham cannot even see the sweater from where he is standing. And so he asks somebody close by to confirm the color of the lady's sweater. He says this, 
1947 experiences. He says, can you see that she's got a green sweater from on from here? Yes, ma'am, that's fine. How many fingers do you think she's holding up there? Can you count that far? It's kind of shadowy, but that's exactly right. Now, praise the Lord, everybody. You can raise your hand. Now, sister, your, your sight has coming, and you've, you're going to be a perfect woman again. He couldn't even see her. Under normal circumstances, Branham would have simply asked somebody close by to ask this lady if she was indeed struggling with her sight. But the color of the sweater was very important to this part of the meeting. The lady with the green sweater had entered the prayer line, the prayer meeting, to be healed of her sight. If you examine the prayer lines for the first few years, before these faith healers switch from memorization to technology, we find examples throughout the prayer lines of unusual memorization of the physical features and characteristics of the patients. The colors are the most obvious because men do not notice the way that other men or even women are dressed. Most men look at the facial features. Branham says this in 1951, a sermon called The Second Miracle. <clears throat> he says, now standing before me is a young man. He has brown hair. He has a blue coat on. He has a white shirt and a white striped tie. I want you to turn this way, young man. How many believes that's the truth? Of course it's the truth. He's wearing these things. He says, how do you know it's the truth? You have a sense that you possess. 1951, same year. Believest thou this? Now stand up here a moment, brother. There stands before me a man with a brown suit on and a red tie. How many believes it? How do you know it? You've got five senses, the human body. <clears throat> we find that many sermons given by William Branham throughout these prayer lines, where William Branham reminds the audience, constantly reminding them that they have senses, see, taste, feel, smell, hear, hear. While Branham tells the audience that they have a sixth sense, the sense of faith, he will focus on giving them an example of what they see before them. He'll give them an example on their one sense, not the five, describing details of how this patient does not match the other guys. The audience was caught unaware. This memorization technique has fooled thousands of people by devious minds since the traveling charlatans hit the Old West selling their magic elixirs. But there's one problem. Memory. Memory only lasts for so long. Memory only retains so much. To counter the many questions of why God would only give this gift for a limited period of time, when there were literally hundreds, sometimes thousands of people desperately seeking healing. The ministers would use these devious tactics, and they knew that they must employ a strategy that would scripturally answer the questions. They knew that they were a sincere people. These people had surrendered their heart and soul to Jesus Christ, and they knew that there were too many people to memorize. So they must grow weary from all the supernatural power that's flowing through them. Under normal circumstances, 
there's very little harm in telling your audience that you've grown tired. Every man grows tired. Every man gets weak, especially after working the crowds. But Branham took things to a step further than the rest. To make himself look better before the people, Branham decided to demote Jesus Christ. He would start telling his audience that Jesus himself grew weak from healing the sick. <clears throat> 1951, believest thou this? He, Branham says, the Bible said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was a man. When he came down off the mountain that night, hungry, he was looking for some to eat a fig tree. <clears throat> he was a man when he was hungry. But when he took five biscuits and fed five thousands, he was God. Hallelujah. That's right, he was a man when he was laying on the back of the boat that night. Listen to this. So tired from healing the sick, and the virtue had gone out of him till he was sleepy, and even the waves didn't wake him up. Branham gave this example many times, pointing to the King James Version of the book of Mark, describing Jesus as the woman touched his garment. The King James Version says that virtue had gone out from him. And the phrase, this phrase itself, was confusing to the people. Many people knew what the word virtue meant. <clears throat> and virtue is something that you retain, not something that leaves you. So Branham was successfully able to convince the people that this phrase in their Bibles meant that Jesus grew weak from his gift of discernment. Again, demoting Christ from being God to just another charlatan who was given a gift that made him tired. The newer translations use this word power for this exact passage of Scripture. Correctly translated, it is a supernatural power, not something that gives God a weakness. This is the same word that's used in other passages that you're familiar with, even in the King James Version. It says in Luke 24, 49, you be endued with power from on high, not weakness. Then cometh to the end, when he shall be delivered up to the kingdom of God, even to the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power, not weakness. But in the early 1950s, things changed. 1954, Texas Instruments began demonstrating the technology of the future, transistor radios. These very light, small, lightweight radios were both portable and power, powerful to men who wanted quick access to over-the-air communications. Instead of the much larger vacuum tubes, these devices contained a small electronic component, a transistor, that made these much larger devices now fit in, into the hands of a listener. By the late 1954, they become available to the general public. But the radios were only one single part of the equation. And the speakers were not as portable as the device itself. For this electronic device to work on the platform, the divine healer would also need an amplifier and speakers and a transmitting device to send the signal to this device. 1955 brought the answer. In 1955, a company called Raytheon 
produced the second transistor radio, the Radeon 8 TP1. It was much more expensive than the Texas Instruments version, but it included a 4-inch speaker. Immediately afterwards, several other companies such as Zenith, RCA, DeWald, and Crosley, they all started producing their own versions of this handheld device. The timing is uncanny. Only a few months after these devices hit the market, Branham had a vision. Suddenly, in February of 1956, Branham had a vision of being able to perform his miracles for a much longer periods of time. Many in the cult have long forgotten about this vision, save those in the return ministry splinter group that stems from Jeffersonville, Indiana. Branham's vision is describing the large tent that he saw in this vision, and ministers of the cult know that this vision was not fulfilled until Branham died in 1965. This tent vision had two major points. The first one is largely overlooked. The first point given by William Branham was that there was a change in the ministry. No longer would this discernment, mind reading, be limited to small periods of time. The prayer lines could now go for hours at a time. He says this in 1956, February, being led by the Spirit, he said, and you remember that time, uh, and he's talking about the angel speaking to him, he said, and he said, you remember that time that you were hunting, that time that you dreamed about? And I said, yes. He said, I'll meet you in there, and this time it won't be a public show. And then the vision left me. Now we got the tent in making. And then in there, I'll be able to carry a prayer line right on through. Now you remember, I speak this before it comes to pass. The exceedingly abundantly is fixing to take place. I can't wait until I get into that place. My heart's just a yearning and a burning. And these things that you see here will be amateur to what our Lord is fixing to do. You just remember that with all your heart and live for him now and be reverent. Just be yourself. Be Mrs. Doe or Mr. Doe. Love the Lord and move on with a true heart before him and love him. He will take care of the rest of it, you see. But then, it'll be no end for the prayer line. It'll go for hours after hours. Both this technology and this vision have been largely overlooked. And the technology inside the Branham Tabernacle in Jeffersonville, Indiana, has been largely overlooked. There is radio broadcasting equipment built into the Branham Tabernacle. The recorded sermons of William Branham are played inside the building, but they're also broadcast in the parking lot using the same equipment. The group known as the Lazy Bunch, <laughs> those who show up late and sit in their cars to listen to the sermon, use this broadcasting equipment to avoid sitting in the hard, uncomfortable benches, the pews of this cult church. But there is a reason why this technology is there. There is a reason the movement is so filled with technology, expensive technology, 
when there are poor people sending in money without even shoes on their feet. I would ask you what God needs with this technology. When simply passing out paper Bibles would spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would ask you why the tabernacle has radio broadcasting equipment when the people should be going into the church for worship instead of sleeping in their cars. But in your hearts, you already know the answers to these questions. You know that this does not make sense, and you know that the rest of this tent vision has already failed when an automobile accident claimed the life of the false prophet. So instead, I'm going to leave you with this question. Why were you so easily convinced that Jesus Christ could possibly grow weak from healing the sick? Why were you so easily convinced that Jesus Christ, God's only Son, would need to see a vision from the Father? Why were you so convinced that he had to see this vision before healing anyone, just like Branham said? Why were you so easily convinced that this virtue, the same word used as power, meant that Jesus had lost his strength? Listen again to the description given by John the Revelator. Remember John Alexander Dowie, the one who died and rose again in power through the divine healing movement. Think about the loud, resounding, charismatic style preaching that William Branham had as Dowie's ministry was given power long after he died. Think of the image. Think of the image that's hanging in the houses of almost every single member of this cult. Think of these things and read this scripture from the book of Revelation. John writes, Then I saw another beast, another beast, coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all authority on the first, over the first beef, beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in the full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up a, an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given the power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that he could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Revelation 13, 11 through 15. This is not a person crying out to you to examine your religion, as these cult pastors falsely claim. None of the apologetics are showing you great signs and wonders. They're just men and women. They have no power to harm you. They point you back to your Bibles. But that same chapter, from the same book of Revelation, said that this one was given power. Revelation 13, 7, He was given power 
to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Do you really believe the Jesus of your Bible? Or have you so easily accepted William Branham's Jesus? Is there any hope of you accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that's in the Bible? Or have you already been conquered? 